The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 640 Toronto. Hey, hey, welcome. It is that uh, time of the week, the end of the work week. Good to have you along. Disability Law Show here once again. John Scholes, always in attendance as well. Savan Tamarkin and Albert Klein, always here, ready to go. Sam Firu Tamarkin, LLP, by the way, the most positively reviewed law firm in the country. Proud of that and well-earned indeed. You want to reach out to the guys and their team anytime. Give you a couple different ways to do that. one 821 5900 Never hesitate to pick up a phone and just have a chat with these guys and the rest of the uh, the firm. They're super friendly and always ready to uh, to help with you. Whatever the matter, if it's only a few questions, website, disabilityrights.ca, drop-down menu. There's a memo tab, uh, pardon me, a media tab, and there's uh, links to our long-running TV show as well. Again, disabilityrights.ca, and any time you want to send along an email, that would be help at disabilityrights.ca. give you a couple other things you can use uh, during the show as well, but for now, we're going to get into it, guys. Got a bunch of emails piling up, but Savannah, we always start off with the uh, case of the day, pal. What do you got going on? John, great to be with you and with Albert and our listeners. Uh, you know, John, we've been talking about uh, personal injury on this show for, for quite a few months now. Um, you know, educated the public about car accidents, slip and falls, and just generally about what you can uh, expect if you are injured through no fault of your own, uh, what kind of compensation you can get, your rights, etc. So let me just delve into something that I think is quite important, which is that not all law firms are created equally. Not all lawyers are created equally. And I know that's not a revelation for our listeners, but let me give you a concrete example. I had a lady call me earlier this week uh, with respect to a car accident that she has had a while back. And she had signed up with a law firm in Toronto. It's a law firm that I know, a uh, well-established law firm, but the reason she called me is because she's now at a stage when there is discussions of resolution of the case, okay, a settlement of the claim. And the lawyer that she's dealing with had told her that they will cover her disbursements up to a certain amount only. And beyond that, she's on the hook for those. So, you know, for those listeners out there who have not had experience with personal injury claims, let me explain to you how typically these kinds of claims uh, work in Ontario. And again, it's not a one-size-fits-all. I'm sort of explaining the way that we approach these claims. If you call us and you speak with me, you speak with Albert or another lawyer from the firm, and we tell you you have a case and we think that we can get compensation for you, we will then give you uh, a, a retainer agreement to review. It's a document. It's prescribed by the Law Society of Ontario. You know, we do everything by the book here. We don't cut corners. And so when you look at a retainer agreement, you will see that it essentially says that if we recover money for, uh, for you from the other side, whoever caused the accident, you know, typically their insurance company, we are going to get a percentage of that uh, recovery. If, however, we don't recover anything for you, we're not going to charge you anything. We're not going to charge you our fees. We're not going to charge you disbursements. Now, what are disbursements? Very, very important to understand. When we start a legal claim, we are going to have to file something with the court, a document. We're going to have to request you know, your medical records. We may have to potentially retain some experts to provide commentary and opinions about the extent of your injuries, the extent of your losses, etc., some of these disbursements can be in the hundreds of dollars. Some of them can be in the thousands of dollars. 
give you an example. I had a case uh, a few years back uh, that we were able to get a very, very good settlement for our client for, but that case cost us close to $100,000 in expenses, meaning money we as the firm had to pay out in order to arrive at that massive settlement that our client received. Now, the question becomes, well, what happens if it flops? What happens if, for whatever reason, we're not able to get a settlement or, or the appropriate amount of money for our client, and there are all these disbursements, these expenses? Well, in our firm, that's the risk we take. When you contact us and we tell you you have a case, and we're going to put you know, our, our, our money where our mouth is, it means that we're going to expend that money on your behalf. You're not going to have to pay for anything. And if we don't get the resolution we want, or if for whatever reason we, we get $0, you're not on the hook for anything vis-a-vis -vis us, meaning you don't have to pay our fees, you don't have to pay our disbursements. And that sometimes has led in the past, John, unfortunately, in very rare circumstances to us losing money. Right. But it's almost like a guarantee that we give our clients. You're not going to have to pay us anything. Now, that lady that had called me, was in for a shock, a sticker shock, because she was told by the by the firm that she had hired that they don't operate that way, that they will cover only up to X amount of disbursements and the rest she would have to pay. Now, that's contractually you know, written. In other words, she obviously did not review the retainer agreement that she had with the firm, which is why I tell people, read the retainer agreement, whether you hire us or another lawyer, another law firm, you need to you need to understand what your obligations are, what your rights are under that retainer agreement, and you want to make sure that the firm and the law the law firm, the lawyers you're dealing with, are doing things by the book, right? That they're not going to turn around afterward and say, by the way, you owe us X, Y, and Z when you didn't anticipate that that was going to be the case. So this communication is really, really important, really key. Uh, and so I tell people, John, if, when you call us, number one, it costs nothing to speak to any one of our lawyers to understand your rights, to understand what kind of compensation you can get. And if we tell you that we can help you, we are telling you that on the basis that we are going to front all that money. We're going to pay for all these expenses that we believe are necessary to advance your case to a successful conclusion. And if we are wrong, you will not have to pay us one cent back. So that's the key here. Not every firm does that. Not every lawyer operates on that basis. You need to be very careful who you hire to represent you. Guys, again, reaching out uh, to the fellows, one 829 And if you want to uh, email as well, help at disabilityrights.ca. Just like Savannah said, rest assured you're in good hands. And just make that phone call and get more information. Albert, my brother, what do you got going on today? I mean, just a quick comment on everything that Savannah was saying, and I think it's absolutely right, but just just very quickly, I mean, what does it say about the law firm that's representing you in terms of how much they actually believe in your case if they're not even willing to front the money for the disbursements, right? Obviously, that says that they must, to some degree, not actually believe in your case. And of course, you want it. You want to get a lawyer that's willing to represent you, that knows how to represent you, that believes that they can represent you to the best of their ability and take your case forward. And whether they're willing to take on your disbursements or not is a clear reflection of that. So just just kind of a side point. But in terms of what I wanted to speak about today, just very quickly, is that generally speaking, and I guess it's sort of on the same wavelength, is that it never hurts to get a second opinion. 
And I mean, I do it all the time with doctors. In fact, I've been dealing with a bit of an ear issue right now. And I'm not willing to accept that there's nothing that these doctors can do to solve this ear issue. And so sometimes it gives us peace of mind to speak to someone else with expertise. And it's not necessarily a reflection of how I feel about the first doctor. It's just, I want some peace of mind. I want to get a second opinion to make sure that everything is sort of in line with uh, the first opinion that I was given. And certainly I'm not advertising that you should be second guessing your lawyer. However, it's not uncommon that we get calls from clients who already have lawyers. And in those instances, we're always happy to provide a very free assessment, 100% free of their case. And quite often the assessment is that their lawyer is doing absolutely everything right. In fact, in a couple of rare instances, I've even told my client to go seek a second opinion. In both instances that I can think of, they did, and the lawyers that they spoke to simply reaffirmed exactly what I was saying, that my assessment was exactly on point. Sometimes, though, we do come across a case where the lawyer is not doing enough or the valuation of the case is simply too low. At that point, it's up to the client or a potential new client to decide what actually makes sense. And then sometimes you have situations as well where had that person actually gotten an assessment of their case much earlier on, it would have been, e- it would have been easier to switch lawyers. But now they're too far down the process where from a financial perspective, it just doesn't make sense to hire another firm. And so these are often the types of conversations that we're having with people. At the end of the day, we like to, we like to give free advice and let people make the decision that ultimately makes sense to them. Savannah, anything to add here? Yeah, this is a great topic, Albert. And, and by the way, John, how many lawyers do you think are out there who, like Albert, say, yeah, go ahead and seek a second opinion? Yeah. No, especially in this personal injury world, it's a, you know, quote unquote, dirty world. I mean, you know, lawyers are literally fighting for clients. That's just the reality of it. You see billboards everywhere. You want a lawyer and a law firm that is going to act ethically and morally because the reality is the other side, the insurance companies, they know which lawyers they can deal with reasonably, which lawyers and law firms they can't. And that's going to color the way your case is looked at. So civility is really important. Dealing with clients in a very fair way, not pressuring them. That's the other thing that I hear from people. I'm being pressured by my lawyer to do this and that. You should never be pressured to do anything. You should be advised of your options. The lawyer should tell you, here's what I think you ought to do. And then the person with their family, with their friends, whoever it is that's consulting them, should help them make that decision and they advise the lawyer. So no, it's a phenomenal topic, Albert, I agree. Anyone who needs a second opinion, we're happy to give it. It's going to take a lot for us, though, to tell people to switch over. Only in egregious cases do we actually suggest that. Guys, lots to get through. We'll get into the uh, the bag of email after a short break here. In the meantime, reaching out to free Albert, Savan, and make that phone call if you're not satisfied now or at least convinced that it's not a big deal to do so and have a uh, chat. 1-855-821-5900. Email is help at disabilityrights.ca. That's where we're going after break. Lots more coming up here on the Disability Law Show. Hang on. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 640 Toronto.
All right, welcome back. Disability Law Show heading into the weekend. Here's how you reach out to the guys. Uh, Albert Klein, Savan Tamarkin as well, one 821 5900 the email we always go to, help at disabilityrights.ca. And if you want to learn more, very quick, very simple to use. There's no legal speak. It's all plain English, easy to understand. Details, memos about LTD, ltdfaq.ca. It's free. It's anonymous, so check it out. It'll be some uh, some good reading, easy to understand for you there as well. Guys, first email is promised. Joseph says, uh, hey, guys, I'm 64, and I was at a local hardware store about three weeks ago, and I was browsing in one of the aisles. A box fell on me from a shelf next to me because one of the employees at the store was trying to stack the boxes on the other side. It was a fairly heavy box, and when it fell on me, I fell to the floor, too, and immediately felt a lot of pain in my right shoulder. I went to the emergency room, and the ultrasound showed that I had a full tear of my rotator cuff and needed surgery. I don't know what to do now because I'm in a lot of pain, and I, I can't use my arm. I was always very active and working out as well as a part-time mechanic, which now I can't do. I had the incident report from the store, but I wonder if I should hire a lawyer. What do you guys think? Well, Joseph, thank you very much for emailing in. And obviously, this is a very unusual set of very unfortunate circumstances. So very sorry this happened to you. But absolutely, you should definitely hire a lawyer. You should definitely hire an experienced lawyer who knows what they're doing, who doesn't just dabble in personal injury, but actually handles a lot of personal injury claims because there's a lot of different nuances to these types of claims. But in short, absolutely, you definitely have a case and you should definitely proceed forward. Typically speaking, if you've listened to us before, you'll know that these cases are broken down into two components. One, which is liability, which ultimately means who is at fault. And then secondly, damages, ultimately meaning what are the value of your injuries. In this instance, since you were in an aisle where they were not stacking any boxes, it would have been reasonable to assume that no boxes would have fallen on you. In fact, you probably didn't even know that someone was stacking boxes. Further, in fact, the local hardware store should have actually taken extra precautions to ensure that no boxes actually did fall on you or any other patron. So from a liability standpoint, there's nothing that you did wrong. And because there's nothing that you did wrong, the case is very strong from that standpoint. Secondly, from a damages standpoint, in other words, the value of your claim or the value of your injuries, your case is also strong. You have a very objective injury, which ultimately means that everyone can see it and no one can dispute whether it's there or not. The ultrasound is very clear that you've torn your rotator cuff and you ultimately are going to need surgery. There's going to be documents for that. All of this means it's very tough to dispute all of your injuries from a, from a damages standpoint. Of course, this only happened three weeks ago. I'm sure it will still take quite a bit of time knowing, knowing the Ontario medical system um, to actually get in and get surgery, but no one knows how you're going to progress once you actually have that surgery. Hope, hopefully, you'll make a great recovery. But generally speaking, for the time that you're unable to work and for the time that you're unable to work out, you're entitled to both pain and suffering and income loss damages over that period of time. And so even if it's only a year or two period, let's say, I, I know mechanics generally make somewhere between eighty dollars and $100,000 a year. On your income loss alone, if you were working part-time, let's say you were working about half-time, 20 hours, which you might have been working more, that means each year that you're unable to work, you're entitled to about forty dollars to $50,000 a year. And that's on income loss alone. This is a very valuable case for you. 
Uh, it's very unfortunate that this has all happened, but absolutely you should be starting a claim. And you should be starting a claim right away because these claims ultimately do take quite a bit of time to advance. And the, the, the quicker that you can get your ducks in a row, the better off you'll be. Savannah, what do you think, pal? I agree with everything Albert said. Let me put some more numbers here in perspective. So not only is the income loss, uh, as Albert uh, said here, again, we would look at, at your income tax returns and we would tell you, here's what you can get by way of income. And by the way, no one has a crystal ball. We have no idea how he's going to do, but he's 64 years old. So the reality is these kinds of injuries end up progressing. And at some point he'll plateau most likely with his recovery. I mean, we've seen this time and time again with shoulder injuries, knee injuries, back injuries, etc. Uh, a shoulder tear, full tear of the rotator cuff, I can tell you from a pain and suffering damages perspective, uh, I can see him receiving by way of compensation $70,000, $80,000, $90,000, maybe even more than that, just for the pain and suffering aspect of his claim. Add to that the income losses that Albert mentioned, you're into the six figures. Now, let me put some other uh, perspectives here. What happens, John, if because of this, Joseph now needs help at home? Right. Maybe he needs to hire somebody. Maybe he lives alone and he needs somebody to help him at home now. So he hires someone for a hundred bucks a week, right? 52 uh, weeks a year. You're talking about over five grand for the year for the next how many years that he needs help with? What about if he needs help shoveling snow, right? If he has a house, for example, with a driveway, what about taking care of the grass? You can see how these 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 damages, these extra uh, special damages, as we call them, out-of-pocket expenses could really, really build up. And so when you have a case like this, and sometimes we're dealing with injuries that don't seem like they're a major injury, but they have ramifications for the individual uh, that may end up really ballooning the compensation you're talking about. And, and one of the issues here, right, he's asking at the end, should I hire a lawyer? Yep. Let me tell you, John, that when I used to do defense work many, many years ago, and I used to represent stores, major box stores, when you have injuries just like this uh, and, and slip and falls and other kinds of injuries, I would get two types of claims. I would get claims that are being handled by lawyers representing the injured person, and then I would have claims where the individual themselves thought that they are uh, able to represent themselves, and they had no knowledge of the law, they had no knowledge of, of insurance, etc. And the reality is that at that time, this we're talking about my distant past, I was supposed to be defending these stores. I was working for their insurance companies, right? Because here, if you go after the store, the reality is it's the insurance company that insures the store that will be dealing with you and paying you compensation. And, you know, I will admit that because my loyalty was to the box store, to the insurance company back then, I would do everything I could to minimize the amount of payment that went to the injured individual at that time. Yeah. And the reality is that there were individuals out there who got paid a fraction. I'm talking about five cents on the dollar for what that they were entitled to. Because back then, that was my job to defend these stores. I also defended municipalities, right? Towns, townships, where people slip and fall and trip and fall. So I have that defense experience. Albert has also done defense in the past. And I'm, I'm highlighting this because sometimes you have people who try to take on these claims themselves. They're asking, why do I need a lawyer for? It, it, you can be, you can get yourself into a world of trouble. You can end up getting compensation, but a fraction of what you're entitled to. So now we've talked about Joseph here. We've talked about his situation. Imagine his claim is worth $300,000 because of his injury here. 
If Joseph was to advocate for himself without any background information, knowledge, experience, and he had a lawyer like myself or Albert on the other side, he could end up with $20,000 in his pocket as opposed to $300,000 in his pocket. So again, you know, it may seem like it's self-serving here. Albert and I are talking out there and people will come to us and this is our job. We make money this way. But the reality is you're more than welcome to go to another injury lawyer. Just get the proper legal advice. Just make sure that you know what your rights are. Make sure that you understand the different kinds of compensation you may be entitled to. Now, Joseph, he and I will get together. We'll speak after the show and I'll make sure that he knows all his rights. And again, at that point, it's his his decision on how to pursue it, if to pursue it. As long as he's informed of his rights, of his choices, we are happy. Guys, that number, write it down if you haven't already earlier, one 821 and email help at disabilityrights.ca. Joseph, appreciate the time. Let's uh, get into uh, Fatima's email here if we got a bit of time for her. It says, my grandmother, who is 71, is in a wheelchair because she slipped on a puddle of water next to the fridge at her corner variety store. This happened last year. She had two surgeries on her hip because she broke it and became infected after that. She's not mobile, and uh, we've had uh, to move her into a home that now costs over $3,000 a month, which our family is paying for. It's extremely stressful for all of us, and I've even had to stop taking overtime shifts in order to help her and visit her because she's alone. She used to be fully independent. What do you think we can do? Can we get any help with the costs of her new home? Let me let me start this off, and we'll get Albert's thoughts here. Uh, John, this is reminiscent of a case again, going back to the, my defense days, uh, decades ago, when I when I had a case with a lady who was in her late sixties, actually, uh, suffered a hip fracture, two surgeries, uh, mobility issues. You know, I, I can't give you more information about that case because of confidentiality uh, provisions in the settlement agreement. But let me just say this: that case settled for over six hundred thousand dollars. Wow. And the reason for that it was exactly because of this, because this person now uh, had to incur over $3,000 a month. Uh, and, and that's not different than many uh, you know, uh, um, uh, homes uh, that end up taking in elderly individuals, people who are injured. You know, It's the expenses associated with the care of this person now that they've been severely and permanently injured that really balloon the damages amount in addition to the pain and suffering. And by the way, hip fractures like this, she'd be entitled to $100,000, $120,000, $130,000 in pain and suffering potentially. So again, get the proper advice. Uh, we're going to speak with this lady, with her family, because we're talking about a very significant case and there's a lot of work to be done to make sure that they get the compensation that she deserves, that she and her family deserves. Guys, really appreciate the time. I know it's quick, but some uh, some valuable information there. I'm going to give you some uh, some reach out contact information as well. Use this any time. It won't cost you a thing. We keep telling you that, but uh, give it a give it a spin and, and find out toll free to reach Savan or Albert or their teams behind them who are simply amazing. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. That email address help at disabilityrights.ca. Now I did mention ltdfaq.ca. That website is free and anonymous. Quick, short, easy to read and understand memos about anything under the LTD umbrella. Check that one out. And then finally, mydisabilityquestions.com. It's just like an email, right? But it's quick. You throw your questions in the in the bar there to be asked and it's even searchable. So maybe your question has been asked and answered in the past. Really simple, anonymous and free. Again, mydisabilityquestions.com. Appreciate you tuning in. We'll catch you next week and on the weekend as well, by the way, with the Disability Law Show. 
The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 640 Toronto.